Welcome to Garfield Memorial Church. We are one church in three locations, Pepper Pike, Ohio, South Euclid, Ohio, and Liberia, Africa. Together, we seek to widen the circle through our core values of diversity, safety, authenticity, growth, and forgiveness. To learn more about Garfield Memorial Church, visit our website at garfieldchurch.org. And now, may you be blessed and inspired by our weekly podcast of the message from the 10 a.m. Sunday morning Mosaic worship service. Garfield Memorial Church, widening the circle. with us online. If we haven't met, I'm Chip Freed, the lead teaching pastor here. Um, We are in a teaching series called Bless, um, Loving Our Neighbors, Five Everyday Ways. We're learning, it's kind of a training session, to love our neighbors and change the world. I've been saying through this series, I don't know if there's anything more important in our world right now than following Jesus's command to love our neighbor. He said to love God and to love neighbor. Paul said, if you love your neighbor, you fulfill the law. Um, and, and that aspect, we have a lot of people say they love God, but are doing a lousy job, lots of us, of loving our neighbors, all our neighbors. We don't get to pick, right? We, we love those who are bear the image of God. And so we've been working through that. Um, and today we're looking at uh, the first week we were the B of bless. Well, the first week Pastor Dave kicked us off, my buddy, telling us to call to bless and reminded us of Jesus' encounter with Zacchaeus. Then last week was be in prayer. We talked about that, be in prayer, missional prayer, authentic prayer for our neighbors. On Monday night, on Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day, we took that another step, and a lot of folks came out, and we looked at uh, how do we pray, even in that passage. Today, the L is listen with care. Now, sometimes you think you're a hypocrite when you're preaching. Other times, you know it. Like, listening is not something that comes easy to me. Um, And we did a series. It was in the fall of 2019, six months before the world ended, right? Um, We did this series. There was a woman we flew in. She was an expert in communication. And she had written a curriculum and material called, um, I Said This, You Heard That. It was an amazing series. And we actually did small groups side of it. It was the largest number of small groups we ever had as part of a teaching series. We had well over 400 people in small groups. It was amazing. And my wife and I were out at one of those groups that met in a member's home. I think there were about 16 of us. We went through it. And whenever I'm out like that, I'm just a cheap target, right? And so we're sitting there and we're talking about all this stuff. And they looked at Terry, my wife, and they said, Terry, you know, we all know Chip talks a lot. Um, Does he hear you? I, I was kind of terrified. And then my wife, oh my gosh, my, my ministry teammate, my love of my life, my best friend, she had my back, I thought. Um, and she said, oh, Chip always hears me. He always hears me. I was, ah. She said, the problem is he has selective hearing. <laughs> Dang, I didn't like that. And then she added, he always hears me, but I can't say he always listens. See, listening is a discipline. And listening, we're going to find out today, grows out of kindness. That's why I bought this shirt just for today's message, so I could be a walking billboard. It says, be kind. It's really not that hard. I think that's something we should be telling people today. But the truth is, this is kind of false advertising, because if I do my job, when you listen to this, the kind of kindness that Jesus is talking about is pretty hard. 
And it's pretty difficult. But my goal is if we understand what Jesus has done for us, it's really not that hard. And it becomes a lot more easy. So as I was, I was Googling some things, I was playing around with listening um, and how we hear and how we mishear and how we talk over each other and shout over each other these days. Um, and I came across something. Uh, I read some stuff out of psychology and that. But a couple of weeks ago, I read how often we mishear lyrics in songs. <laughs> Has it ever happened to you? Like, I never thought it happened in Christian songs, but um, I was over at, at our South Euclid campus. We were doing Kids Club with Pastor Scott when he was here, and, and Theron's doing it now. And we always play some kind of modern Christian music. You, you remember the song Waymaker? We sing Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, Light in the Darkness. There's a part in that song where it says, you never stop, you never stop working, you never stop, you never stop working. And I had a young man came up to us and said, Pastor Chip, does that say God never stops twerking? <laughs> no, my brother, working, working. So I didn't think it happened Christian music. Even it happens there. But there are so many, you'll have a lot of fun. If you go home today and you Google or YouTube, most misheard lyrics in music, there's some real fun ones, right? Um, and I, I, I try to be a little contemporary. I, I listen to, you know, I love the 70s and 80s music, so I grew up on. Um, but um, I like Adele. Uh, anybody like Adele? All right. Yeah, I do like Adele. Um, my kids listen to Adele, so millennials doing that. She has a song that goes like this, should I give up or should I just keep? Yeah, chasing penguins. <laughs> Have you heard it? I know it's chasing pavements, but I dare you to go home and listen to it today and hear her. I swear it says she's chasing penguins. She's chasing pavement. I told my kids, what's Adele chasing penguins for? Like, is she doing missionary work in Antarctica? I mean, and they're like, Dad, you're hopeless. But I swear to you, if you go home and listen to it, that's what you're going to hear, okay? I even, somebody said to me, well, Ariana Grande is really hard to understand. So I went and listened to some of her music. I, I listened to, uh, um, Thank you, next, seven rings. I didn't know what she was saying. I had no idea. Boy, does the child have a beautiful voice. Had no idea what she was saying, so I Googled the lyrics. I'm really sorry I did. I can't put any of them up on the screen today. Um, when I grew up, there was a group called the Monkees. Anybody, come on, some people, I know millennials, it's Monkees with two E's, not E-Y. It's, it's an old group. Um, and we remember they were on TV. And you remember their number one hit of all time was I'm a Believer? Remember that? When I saw her face, come on, guys, then I'm a believer, right? Um, do you know people heard that, especially men, when I saw her face, now I'm going to leave her. Um, <laughs> it's horrible. It's just horrible. Um, and so I looked at Spotify. Spotify did a top 10 list of most misheard songs. I'm just, I'm just going to give you the top five. Okay, is that cool? They're old songs. Probably they got more vote from us old heads. I gave you some modern ones. But this is their top five, Spotify's top 10 misquoted song lyrics. Number five was Creedence Clearwater Revival. Some of you remember them. Bad Moon Rising, right? Don't go out tonight. There's a bad moon on the rise. People heard don't go out tonight. There's a bathroom on the right. It's, it's what they heard. I mean, 37% or so heard that. Number four was Elton John. He made the list a lot. I don't know what's up with Elton, the English accent, whatever. But Tiny Dancer was fourth. It drove me, I thought, Tiny Dancer, dancing for life. What's wrong with that? 
But I guess when he gets real into it and he said, hold me closer, Tiny Dancer, people were hearing, hold me closer, Tony Danza. <laughs> like, that's just creepy. It actually made it on an episode of Friends. They did that, uh, you know. So that was number four. Number three was something I grew up with in college. We danced to the Clash, Rock the Casbah. I had no idea what a Casbah was. Other people didn't because they sang Rock the Catbox. Um, number two, this was Pastor Terry heard Jimi Hendrix at Woodstock. She was two. Um, nobody got that. Okay. But his Purple Haze in 1967 came out, and his line was, excuse me while I kiss the sky. Everybody heard, excuse me while I kiss this guy. In 1967, got Jimmy a little bit of mail. And the number one, the number one misheard, I resonated with this as soon as I heard, as I saw it. Number one misheard lyrics of all time, Spotify said, was Manford Man Blinded by the Light. Come on, millennials, you can check that one out. They put 70s music, blinded by the light, right? Everybody, the most misheard thing, the next line was revved up like a deuce, another runner in the night. I can't tell you what I heard when I was 14 years old because I'm trying to keep my job, but it wasn't that. It wasn't that, and you didn't hear that either, okay? In fact, I didn't know what that line was until I Googled it, but... But check it out. That was the most misheard line. I kind of found, I found out there's a word for this. It's called Mondegreen. I pride myself on vocabulary, never had heard before. But what psychologists said a Mondegreen is a misheard word or phrase that makes sense in your head, but in fact is entirely incorrect. And I got to thinking, that's really funny when it comes to song lyrics, but it's not so funny when it comes to people. It's not funny when we're hearing things in our head and we're not listening to each other. And so I'm going to get to the Ephesians passage, but the, <clears throat> the, the scriptures are ripe with commands to listen. In fact, over 400 times in the New Testament, there's a command to listen. Jesus said, you have eyes, you don't see, you have ears, but you don't listen. You don't hear. You hear Mondegreens, but you don't hear me. And you don't hear your neighbors. And James, who was kind of a... He's a brother of Jesus. Um, you know, I always, I know James is true. You know why? Because if your younger brother or older brother or sister came home one day and said to you, hey, I'm God, how would you handle that? Like, would you believe them? James did. Like Jesus said, hey, I'm God. James believed him, became a follower. And James said this. <laughs> he said, my brothers and sisters, you must understand this. It's a command, right? You must understand. Everyone should be quick to Listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. See, when somebody says slow your roll, they're usually telling you slow down on things that come very natural to you. See, I have, my mom used to say, Freeds have diarrhea of the mouth. We talk all the time. In fact, when my wife and brother-in-law is married into a family, the first couple of Thanksgiving, they just said, you guys are a trip. Like, we can't even get in. We're not even sure you even hear what each other's saying. You talk in so many directions. And it's very naturalistic to speak. It's a, you know, in the animal kingdom, it's roaring and barking and tweeting. And it's beautiful sounds, but, but James says, slow that down, that natural instinct, and be slow to become angry. You know, somebody steps on our paw or gets across our tail. It's easy. It's easy to become irritated. That's quick. And you say, oh, I don't have an anger problem. Walk around your house barefoot in the dark at night. And when that inevitable happens, do you say just sweet nothings to the universe? No, you get angry, right? So but do that, slow this. 
but quick to listen. This word quick in the Greek is a word tehus, which means be very attentive, pay close attention to, examine, right? Only time it's used in the entire Bible is here. 400 commandments, James said, this one be very attentive to, to listen, right? So there was a, a survey online of social media Pastor Terry made me aware of, and they asked two questions. They said to people, how do you feel what do you feel like when you feel you've been truly listened to? What do you feel like? And this is what the responses were. How do you feel when you feel like you've been truly listened to? These are the top nine or 10 responses. People said, I feel valued, appreciated, respected, loved, accepted, validated, worthy, significant, known. Now watch the actually opposite take place when they ask, how do you feel like when you've not been listened to, disrespected, ignored, cast out, unworthy, alone, worthless, invisible, insignificant, unloved, and rejected. I want to ask you a question. Which group of adjectives did people feel more like when they were in the presence of Jesus? Right? Did they feel cast out? Did they feel insignificant? Did they feel worthless, invisible, reject, or did they feel valued? Did they feel respected? Did they feel accepted? Did they feel significant, worthy, known, and loved? When I was going through some New Testament readings this week, I realized we talk a lot about what Jesus said, right? The red letters, pay attention to them. What did Jesus say? I was amazed as I really reflected from this perspective on our call to listen with care to our neighbors, to be quick, to listen to people. See, preachers, we're the worst. You know, I love, I, I spend a lot of my time with non-church people and non-believers. It's my calling. I think it's all of our calling to just bump into people. And, and you know, these days, people will tell you stuff about God and church and Christians. As, that, you know, as a preacher, sometimes I feel like I got to speak, you know, and I've learned, like, I got to defend the faith, right? And I'm going to tell you, the Holy Spirit was clear with me one time. Look, look, if God's depending on you to defend him, Chip, he's in big trouble. Like, you know, to just, just love people, right? And I've learned to really listen to those things and find things to uplift. And that's a model of Christ I'd never really thought before. Pastor Dave talked to us about when we started this series about our calling to bless. Now we've got into the five everyday steps, but he talked about calling to bless. He talked about Jesus going into Jericho. Do you know, if you read Luke's gospel, there are narrative theologians that talk about, uh, there's a long narrative in his gospel that starts in Luke 9:51, knowing his time had come, Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. And all the way to 1925, Jesus is reminding us he's on his way to the cross. He's on his way to the purpose. He's going to Jerusalem. I never realized that the Zacchaeus encounter and one counter right before it are the last two ministry things Jesus did before he got to Jerusalem, before he got to his, got to his you know, ultimate purpose. And you know what they were? Listening. Listening to Zacchaeus, listening to the cry of Bartimaeus. Dave didn't to hang his hat on this, but I just want to look at that scripture. When Jesus saw Zacchaeus, you know, up in a tree, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for I must stay. Hold that word, stay at your house. So he hurried down and was happy to, Jesus, he, Zacchaeus was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble. Why? He has gone to be the guest of one who's a sinner. Now, 
When I, when I was young and I heard this passage, I kind of thought Jesus on his way to Jerusalem because it was real clear. He's passing through. He doesn't have time. He's going to Holy Week, right? And I read it like Zacchaeus come down. He went over, you know, he, he had a, a, you know, a ham sandwich or he had a cup of tea. They had this conversation, you know, brought him to salvation. He went home. But this word stay is in the Bible is always interpreted abide. To go be a guest is to go for a very long time. In fact, in John 4, when the Samaritans asked Jesus to stay, to abide with them, and in in Acts 9, the same thing in Joppa with Peter, will you stay with us? They stayed for weeks, days. Jesus went into Zacchaeus' house for maybe days or weeks or a month. And Luke only records what happened afterwards because Jesus went alone. It's like last week when God dismissed the angels to talk to Abraham alone. Jesus isn't rude. He wasn't going to take his whole entourage into Zacchaeus' house for a week. He went one-on-one with him. And so Luke tells us what happened after. It says when Zacchaeus stood, meaning after they were sitting, talking, everything that happened in the house, they came outside. He stood and said, God, now I'm going to, you know, pay back anybody I've swindled. I'm going to give half of what I have to the work of ministry and to the poor. And Jesus said, today salvation has come to his house. Man, before those lines, a whole lot of ministry happened happened. A whole lot of ministry happened at Zacchaeus' table, and Jesus was listening. And if you back up in the story, before he came into the town, when he came in, this is before Zacchaeus, he came into Jericho, last two things he did, and a blind man, Mark tells us, Bartimaeus cried out when they said, Jesus passing by, uh, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who are in front, it's always the people in the front, right, ordered him to shut up. Because they didn't want to listen to him, right? But he cried out even more loudly, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and ordered the man to be brought to him. And when he came near, look at this question he asked him. What do you want me to do for you? Is, is something wrong with Jesus? Does he like not know the man is blind? What kind of question is that? He knows what he wants him to do for him. So why ask the question? Do you know in four gospels, Jesus asked 305 questions. And they're open-ended questions. They're never yes or no answers. It's, uh, what are you looking for? We're going to do a whole series after this one about the questions that Jesus asks. He invites us into the conversation. He cares what's on our mind. He says, you know, what do you understand? In fact, whenever they come to him and say, what does the scripture, scripture mean? Read it. He says, what do you read? See, he's listening. He's doing something for Bartimaeus and for Zacchaeus that nobody had done in a very long time. He's actually listening to them and making them feel significant and worthy, right? And able to to talk um, and to listen. Listening is a call into friendship. When, When Paul says, you know, bear with one another in love, Here's what one scholar said, a psychotherapist, and caring enough to hear and be heard. He said, being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, they're almost indistinguishable. When you hear people, you're loving people, right? And it all starts with listening. So the passage that was read, okay, 12 minutes I got left, going to hit. The passage that we read out of Ephesians, Paul, we've preached on this before, and we said Paul's blueprints for the church, meaning blueprint for the new community. In Ephesians, he's always talking about the old you and the new you, the old neighborhood and the new neighborhood. And everything he's talking in this passage is about how to love our neighbors. In fact, at the beginning, if you heard what was read, everything that was said was to our neighbors, for we are members of 
one another. And what's Paul's instructions? In this new community, verse 25, you heard it, put away all falsehoods, put away conspiracies, put away lies, put away stereotypes that divide people and don't bring them together. Be honest with each other. Quit spinning. Be authentic, right? In the next verse, 26 and 21, get rid of bitterness. Get rid of wrangling. Get rid of slander and malice. And in so doing, you make no room for the devil. In other words, Paul's saying, those techniques are of hell. They're not of heaven. Put that away. Don't take advantage or exploit one another. Don't steal. Don't do these things. Don't use people. But care for those in need. Speak words only, verse 29, that build up others and are graceful in both speaking and listening. Listening builds a foundation for true friendship. And Paul says in the new neighborhood, in the new community, those are the ways we love our neighbors. And he ends everything with these words, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. That listening is an aspect of kindness. <clears throat> now, we always think of being kind, like, well, that's not hard. Uh, forgiving, when I say forgiveness is hard, people say, yeah, that's hard. But they don't think kindness, in fact, you, you'd be hard to find an American today that would go, yeah, I'm unkind. I mean, people think, well, at least I'm kind of kind. I'm kinder than most. I'm not unkind. See, being kind seems easy. But why does Paul say that kindness is on the Galatian 5 list of fruit, with the, fruit in the spirit, fruit of the spirit, meaning it's born of the spirit, not natural to you, not real kindness, and why did he say in 1 Corinthians 13 when he was preaching about love and he was preaching about love to people who thought they were loving but weren't at all. In fact, he, oh, you're giving your body to the poor and you're giving your money and you're speaking in tongues and you're so holy, but all you are are noisy instruments because you don't love others. He wasn't talking about love of God. He was talking to Corinth about love between Gentiles and Jews. And he said, real love is patient and kind. See, it's, it's not easy. And, and what Paul's saying is we're loving others as God in Christ has loving, loving, loving us and forgiven us. And Paul found out that it wasn't by his own righteousness. It was by receiving grace. And if we're going to listen with care and be kind in our neighbors, three forms of grace I just want to throw in front of you today. One is what I call practical grace. Kindness through communication. Let no unwholesome evil Things come out of your mouth, but only uh, what is useful for building up so that your words may give grace to those who hear. Ephesians 4.29, right? So you ask yourself, do I enter conversations with people trying to see what I can get from them or how I can be a blessing to them? See, we can be mercenaries in how we use people in conversations or relationships. And we can only know what benefits people through listening. It's kindness through communication. Michael Frost is a missional uh, pastor, goes all over the world, helps equip teams to really go in and do what I called practical grace. And he talked about a team that he helped lead over into India. This team was from a huge 
mega, mega, mega church. They had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars, over half a million dollars. They had physicians. They had engineers from areas of Texas, renowned people. And they went to this remote village, said, we're going to make a change. We're going to go in there. We have physicians. They talked to the people, and they said, we can build you a medical clinic. You have no medical clinics that, that give you medical care anywhere around. We, we've got engineers here. We can dig you fresh water wells. We've done that across and through charity water. We can do all these things for you. But then they actually thought, well, let's ask them what they really need. Isn't that a novel idea? And they said, well, what do you need us to do? We got all this money and all these people. And they said, you can build us a mailbox. Oh, Wow, we didn't fly thousands of miles with this team of geniuses and over a half million dollars to build a mailbox, but why do you need a mailbox? Because they said we have no zip code. So you can only get a zip code if you have a mailbox. And in India with their caste system, if you're living with no zip code, you don't even show up on the population. You are a non-person. You have no access to public services. So even if there's a natural disaster comes in, no you know, uh, first responders come from the government to take care of you because you don't exist. And they were asking them, can you help build us a mailbox so that we matter? And those bigwig physicians and engineers got off their high horses and said, that's what they want. And they found out with the bureaucracy of the government and everything, it took them over two months, but they got them a zip code because they listened to them. That's practical grace. That's kindness through communication. It's really not just unkindness. We know we're always talking down to people. We're always seeking to meet our needs. And then real kindness is listening to what benefits people. But I'm going to tell you, there's an artificial kindness in between. You ever met people who are just so kind, but it really is, it's kind of still all about you. I'm being so kind because I want to believe I'm a good person. Or you can use kindness to control people. Where did you ever hear that term, kill them with kindness? That's not real kindness. Kindness doesn't kill Kindness builds up, right? That's practical grace. The second thing is befriending grace. Paul's talking here about building friendship. Practical grace is kindness through communication. Befriending grace is kindness that we think, especially in Western American eyes, kindness means giving people things, right? Giving them money, giving them advice, giving them counsel, giving them good deeds. Paul says, I don't want you to give people your stuff. I want you to give people you. Mutual relationships, building each other up. I want you to give of your heart in friendship with people that you care enough to listen, that you care enough to empathize and, and understand people's pains. That's befriending grace. What is friendship? What's the best definition? I'll give you the best definition of friendship I ever heard. A friend always lets you in, never lets you down. You've heard that? Psychologists say these are the two most important elements of friendship. Always lets you in, they call that vulnerable transparency. They're willing to get vulnerable, willing to be open. And never lets you down, that's, that's constancy you can count on. And I don't know about you, but don't you have people in your life that they always let you in? And they let you in. They tell you everything all the time. It's all that. But when you're really in trouble, <laughs> they're not there. Or you get people that are always there for you. They'll always be there for you. But they never let you in. They never uncrust their arms. They're never, you know, uh, confident enough or humble enough to tell you their own pain. But what a friend we have in Jesus. 
Did you hear what Tony read for us in John 15? You know, greater love has no one than this. I command you love one another. And greater love has no one that would give their life for their friends. I go to give my life for you because no longer do I call you servants. But now I call you friends because a, a servant doesn't know what the master is doing. But I've told you all my business. Everything God has spoken to me. Do you see how vulnerable he is and transparent? I, I, I'm telling you everything about me. I'm opening my heart to you. But I'll never let you down. I'm, I'm even laying down my life for you. Have you ever been around people like that? That are so humble, so transparent. They're not talking to you, trying to give you their resume all the time. So you will think of them a certain way. They're not spinning. They're just honest, authentic, open. They ask the H questions, history. Tell me your story. They ask the H question, hurt. What's going on with you? They ask heart questions. What, what do you love to do? I mean, they're, they're, they're wonderful, wonderful people. If you want some of that training from this book, um, either come to a group after the series or go to some of our groups starting now, right? They're, they're, they're very transparent and they're also very grounded in their faith. Like, they don't need you to like them. <laughs> they don't, you know, they don't need you to need them. And when you're around people that have those two things, that humility, but that inner confidence, that you don't have to spin yourself anymore, it just changes your life. The man, I've talked about my college chaplain who brought me to Christ. I was a mess when I went to college. I don't want to go through the gory details, but I, it was a good thing my name was Chip because I had a big chip on my shoulder. And I was hurting. I was in pain. I was considering suicide. I, and I went to Colgate to play basketball. My first two games, I was thrown out for fighting. I went to Cornell and got thrown out because I went after a player. We had our first home game against Holy Cross, and I got thrown out because I went after a referee. Made big news at Colgate University. Who's this freshman guard is like a terror. And I got called into the AD and said, look, um, you can go see our college chaplain, and we can figure out what's wrong with you. You can lose your scholarship. So anybody ever seen the movie Good Will Hunting? Matt Damon, Robin Williams. That's a hard movie for me to watch because I live that movie. Coleman Brown was, the chaplain was Robin Williams. I was Matt Damon. I'm trying to work it just so I could get back on the court, right? But this man said to me, utter transparency, look, you can spin for everybody else, but nothing you're going to tell me is going to surprise me. He was Dr. King's point person when the movement went to Chicago. He said, I've seen some stuff, bro. I've lived through some stuff, and I've been in ministry 30 years. So you can't shock me, transparency. But so firm in his face, you know, I don't need you, but I'm, I'm here to serve you. And it was in the midst of that that I crumbled, befriending grace. Last one, I'll hurry, visionary grace. Visionary grace is looking forward, never behind. It's joining the Holy Spirit and seeking to build up the new kingdom. Did you hear that weird verse? Do not grieve, after God, Paul said all these things, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. See, the Holy Spirit says, I, in every encounter I have, I'm looking to the day of redemption. I'm looking to everything that's broken will be repaired. I'm looking for every sad thing that's gonna become untrue. I'm looking for every good thing lost that's gonna be recovered. And everybody that's in front of you is not a nobody. Everybody in front of you has the image of God. Everybody in front of you is beloved by God. And when I encounter people, people i'm trying to bring them to their glory selves and i'm thinking what's at the end of the road for them and i'm working to build them up and you break my heart when you tear them down in unkindness in artificial kindness 
It grieves the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit says, look, I want to get people to where they're ultimately going. The question is, will you stay in step with me? Or will you cause me grief? So practical kindness, befriending kindness, or kindness and grace, visionary kindness and grace. I, there was a woman, let me tell you this story, and I'll wrap up. There was a woman I knew um, through a friend, and she, her and her husband were missionaries. And they uh, got a furlough from the missionary work. I'm bringing a guy in on March 3rd. You're not going to want to miss that. This guy is amazing. He's been ministering to me through some of his writings. And he and his wife were missionaries um, for the largest, um, you know, situation of refugees per capita in the country working for Christ in the Kosovo War. And after seven years, just flat out burnout. He's going to tell a story. And he went to Rocky Mountains and he became a photojournalist where now he, he listens to, you know, for a lot of people and things and is on a journey to wholeness. And I hope he blesses you like he blessed me. But this family was in the same way, missionary and just burnout. And so people gave them a wonderful house. I think it was in Italy. It was in a you know, beautiful neighborhood. And stay, take this house for a year. It was a townhouse, had a beautiful patio. And she said, for the first time, we had a place we could just renew with God. And she loved the patio. She loved the outdoor. And she, she made it look so beautiful. And she said it was wonderful until a few months later, they moved in next door to her. Difficult, difficult neighbors. So they, they played loud music day and night. They, there was a constant flow of obscenities off their patio that made it hard for them to entertain guests. In fact, she said the neighbors actually urinated in their front yards in broad daylight and would all hit the fan. At one point, is her child, the children of the neighbors <clears throat> snuck over her, the fence to her patio and spray-painted everything orange, including all her furniture. And she said to God, I want to love them, but I cannot love them. I hate them. And she was broken. And she went to God because she said, I know I have sin in my heart. And as she talked to God, a scripture came to mind for her. And the scripture was this. Oh, I didn't have it up there. I'm sorry. It was, and beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And she asked God, how do I put on love? And she felt, do you hear this conversation with the Holy Spirit? Like, are we grieving or are we walking lockstep? She had this vision that God told her it was like putting on a coat. So she said she put on a coat and she, she had a deeper sense that God was with her. She made a list of what she would do if she was actually really loving her neighbors. And she, this is the thing she did. She baked cookies for them. She offered to babysit for free. She invited the mother over for coffee and began to listen to her. And she said the most beautiful thing happened. She began to actually know them. She began to see that the tremendous pressures they were living under were breaking them. She began to love her neighbors. She lent to them without expecting anything back. And she wrote the day when they finally moved was a day that when she didn't rejoice, she wept. And she said an unnatural and unconventional love had captured my heart. A supernatural love. It was, she said, the love of Jesus. How do we do that? We do it, as Paul says, that's why I added those little two verses in chapter 5. Therefore, be imitators of God and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. 
I want to leave you with this. If you find it hard to give yourself up for others, focus on what Jesus did to give himself up for you. And when we do that and therefore try to become imitators of that, we can have kindness in our communication. We can have kindness in not just giving people things, but giving ourselves. And we can have kindness looking forward to the great neighborhood that God's trying to bring us to. And that'll help you listen with care. And that'll help you love your neighbors. And that'll change the world. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Lord God, Holy Spirit, help us not to grieve you. Help us to partner with you and be reminded of how you lifted us up so that we might not look down, but we might end our lives, even in difficulty and trying times, that we might be kind, be kind. And when we think what you did for us, it's really not that hard. Help us to be kind in communication. Help us to be kind by giving of ourselves and help us to be kind by looking forward to that one day in that one great neighborhood with you. In your name we pray, amen. Application message, this ain't gonna be hard. As you leave out today, the way you interact with others will be evidence of whether you've grasped this message from Jesus and from Paul or not. God be with you this week. Wow, what a wonderful word that was from Pastor Chip. You know, now I realize I'm going to have a pop quiz after this. When I go out, I'm going to be tested to see if this word really sat in my heart and I'm choosing to live it or not. Um, But what a wonderful counterculture way to live, to be kind. It sounds so simple. It sounds so basic. But in a world that's full of violence and hatred and anger, to be kind would be revolutionary. And I always like to remind myself that the thing I remember the most about people is how they made me feel. And I wonder what would happen if I focused on how I made other people feel. And I think kindness is the way we could do that. Uh, if you don't know me, my name's Caleb, and uh, i am got the privilege of being uh, the connection pastor here alongside my wife, Leilani. And uh, if you're new at Garfield, and you're just kind of exploring and kind of seeing if this is a place for you, I want to invite you to fill out our new guest survey. This is an opportunity for you to just let us know that you're here. I know it's easy to kind of come in and sit behind someone or kind of hide in the shadows, but let us know that you're here. You can fill out this survey at new at gmc.org, or you can text guest to 216-242-1975, or even better, if you're here in person, come to the Connect table after service, meet me. I can help you fill it, fill it out, but I would just love to be able to shake your hand, give you a hug, say hi, and uh, get to know your name. Also, if you're new here, we're doing something really fun. We're having pizza with the pastors. This is an opportunity where you can get a chance to sit down. I mean, who doesn't love pizza? But you get a chance to sit down with the pastors and, and a few staff members and learn a little bit about Garfield's DNA and how to get connected. You can ask questions and explore and find out, you know, what is Garfield really about? Is this the place where I belong? And just get a chance to have a personal interaction with um, some of our amazing pastors and staff here at the church. That's going to happen on February 4th at 1130 a.m. So plan to be there. We got child care as well for up to grades, uh, grade five. Um, if you don't know, Bless, the series that we're in right now, actually has a book that goes along with it. Uh, It's a really wonderful book, and we have a few small groups that are meeting and discussing the series and that book, 
And if you'd like to be a part of that, my wife and I are hosting one that's on Tuesday. Um, we'd love to see you there. We've got a few other groups that are meeting as well. You can see all the details for those groups here. As well, if you want to go to garfieldchurch.org forward slash small groups, you can see all the details and get signed up. And then one of our leaders will be able to reach out to you uh, and get you connected this week. So you can enjoy those conversations. We're having chances where we're talking about being prayer from last week. And we're talking about, we're going to talk about listening to our neighbors um, and how we can do that. We're going to explore what does that look like in a practical way. And I just want to invite you to join us on that journey. And then we have a really amazing small group that's starting on January 28th. So excited to share this with you. Um, They're going to be meeting at 7 p.m. And this group is all about faith building. If you want to learn about spiritual formation and what it looks like to build up our faith as believers, be a part of this group. They're going to meet every second and fourth Sunday here in the chapel at the church from 7 to 8.30 p.m. Um, What an amazing group that we're excited to offer to you guys. And um, if you're just looking for ways to build up your faith, check that out. Again, you can sign up for that um, on our website. Uh, At this time, I just want you to know you're not alone. And we have an amazing house of prayer ministry that wants to pray with you. We've got our prayer wall where you can write prayers. We have candles you can light. And also, at the end of service, we're going to have a prayer partner who's available who can pray with you. So after we do this final song, if you'd like somebody to pray with you or you want to have a moment of prayer, please join our House of Prayer ministry. At this time, our amazing worship team, man, they did such a great job leading us into the presence of God. They're going to lead us in one more song. Let's get up on our feet and let's sing that song together. I want you to go out, be loved, show love, give love this week. When night has fallen and fear is coming, still you're calling me. When faith is lost and my hope exhausted, you will be my strength. When my mind says I'm not good enough, God, you're enough for me. I've decided I'm not giving up. You won't give up on me. You won't give up on me. Your love is holding on and it won't let go. I'm feeling breaking out just like in that go. Your love is holding on and it won't let go. I'm feeling breaking out just like in that go. Feel it breaking 